Morning, everybody. That was loud. Well, Jesus, we just thank you for your word this morning. We pray that you would do in us as only you can. Plant your word inside of us. Lord, uh, bring that increase and cause it to grow in us, God. Let us be that good soil, God, that, that your seed would, would grow in abundantly. God, we just pray that today you would meet every need in this place and do as only you can. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. Go with me to Matthew 10. 10. Yep. You would think having only three people to get to church instead of five would help you get here on time, but it doesn't. So, Cynthia stayed home with Levi. He's uh, He's got pink eye. So, woohoo! That's uh, okay. Funny thing is, I didn't think it would keep him up all night, but uh, he stayed up all night sneezing and used up an entire box of Kleenexes and his eyes all like, Bleh. yep. Poor guy. So, he was having fun with it, though. Chasing his sister around the house like, ah! <laughs> grubby little infected mitts. As only a brother could do. So that was fun. Um, I'll talk a little bit about um, truth. So I suppose preaching to the choir today. But uh, um, you know, an interesting thing about truth that um, that Ron's talked about a lot, but uh, kind of had some experiences with it myself this week that were interesting. Um, you know, uh, truth is not always so happily received as as the things that, that feel good, and truth can be both things, really. But uh, you know, of course, when they ate the Passover lamb, they had to eat it with bitter herbs. So not everything tastes good. If you've ever uh, ever thought, "Hey, I want to do that apple cider vinegar thing that people do," you know what I mean. That's nasty. And it's, uh, and all their magical claims that, that you know if you do that for like a month you'll be skinny as a rail are garbage. So anyway, <laughs> it was totally not worth it. All right, so uh, so here's a, a really great um, dictionary definition I found for truth in accordance with fact or reality. I like that and. Uh, and then this is what I found in the uh, in the lexicon for the uh, in John 14:6 where he says I am the way the truth and the life this this word truth uh, as taught in Christianity respecting God and the execution of his purposes through Christ and the duties of man as opposed to the superstitions of the gentiles the inventions of the Jews and the corrupt opinions and precepts of false teachers even among Christians oh, wow that's Kind of cuts right to it. Kind of covers all the bases. So, um, so here in Matthew 10, I'm going to piggyback what Angie talked about on Friday night. So, if you're if you're taller than this, you may not have been here, but it was great. Uh, in in 34, he says, "Think not that I'm come to send peace on the earth. 
I came not to send peace, but a sword. And I'm come to set a man at variance against his father, a daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. You know, and it's it's funny because that's not what we expect. And and it's right there in red and white, but we still don't ex- <laughs> Yeah, thank you. But we don't expect that still. You know, we just kind of think that uh I know I always just kind of expect everything to be all happy and rainbows and and unicorns, you know, but But the thing is here, it's not that God has set out to create that division, but truth creates that division. Uh, and so it's interesting how you can uh, you can touch people with the peace of God, and 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 they love you for it. But then when you touch something false of theirs, uh, then then suddenly the love fest kind of comes to a screeching halt. It's like that 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 sound like when you pull the needle off a record. It's like, it's like oh, it's like what? So, so God's not happy about setting a man at variance against his father or the daughter against her mother and all that. That's not what He's out to do. But but truth certainly does that. Uh, go with me over to. I put my notes away. There it is. Uh, Matthew 21. I'm going to start in verse 1. And when they drew near to Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives, they sent, then sent Jesus two disciples saying, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find the ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if any man say aught to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And straightway he shall send them. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell you the daughter of Sion, Behold, that thy king comes unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and the colt, a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And I like how you know, Jesus, he doesn't, uh, you know, this, this prophecy doesn't say that he's going to come in as this great, you know, conquering king, you know, in his gleaming armor on a white stallion. It's, you know, uh, on the, on a colt, the foal of an ass. And that he's, and, and it says that he comes to you meek. You know, because, uh, if you're the, if you're the king, you probably don't typically enter the city meek. You know. So, the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And they brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes and set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem... And all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? The multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. So, you know, the the crowds have seen the miracles that he did. They've they've seen the uh, they've they've heard his teachings, and 
they're excited to see him there, you know. And uh, I, I don't imagine that they probably are all that familiar with this passage in Zechariah that, that, that it just quoted. But, maybe they were, but um, they, were, they were excited to see him. They were, you know, and, and as we all get excited about some great new thing, you know, but um, it's interesting because you know the story. They, they welcome him to Jerusalem and they're just thrilled to death. And, and we're going to read here in a few minutes about how just a few short days later, the, the same crowd is, is screaming for his head. So in verse 12, it says, And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said, It is written, My house should be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And, don't you know, you know they just, I don't know, I love that. There's nothing quite like pointing out something so obviously wrong like that to um, and it's interesting how people hold on to these traditions it's like well it's like well we've done it this way for a long time of course we we always had people in the in the temple uh selling the doves and everything we we took the thing that God told us to do and we made it more efficient it's like we we took it and and, and we're giving it back to him better than he gave it to us like not really, but um, you know, but Jesus corrects them with with the Word of God, and uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie they made a long time ago, probably twenty twenty five years ago, about Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and I love that scene where he comes in and and like just throws their tables over and and. And he's yelling at him and stuff because you know not exactly gentle Jesus, meek and mild, you know. But you know, but that's just it. It's like you know that difference between truth and lies. It's not something that you can just kind of buddy buddy around with. And so, so he brings the word of God to bear on it. He says that my house should be called a house of prayer, and you've made it the den of thieves because they are robbing from the people of God. They're coming in there with this idea that basically I just have to go in and pay some money. It's like it's like getting a speeding ticket to to have their sins forgiven. It's like you just go in, you pay some money and and that's that. Now, I I'm all for convenience and efficiency. I love being able to throw money at stuff and make it go away or make somebody else do it for me or whatever. That's great. But but John just keeps it quiet there. I like that. I'm always throwing money at John to do stuff for me I don't want to do. But <laughs> but no. Um, but but it is indeed thievery to to tell the people of God that you know uh, pay me to, to take care of this for you because that's essentially what this boils down to. I was talking to my uncle yesterday. And I just didn't have any liberty to say anything to him, but he's they're they're Catholics, and and he was talking about how you know the, the Catholic Church you know for the longest time taught that you couldn't be cremated because you know then what's what is supposed to come back or whatever and all kinds of goofy stuff and now they say that you can but you got to get every last little speck 
to, to bury all of it and all this stuff. And he was talking about how he he talked to this priest that and was like, yeah, you know, I I realized he's like I I did all these funerals and then I did my dad's funeral and I realized you know he's really not there. Uh, you know, so what difference would it make if you burned him or not? And I was like, well, he's got a point there. He's totally right about that. You know, um, but uh, you know, it just it made me sick to to hear him talking about it in those in those terms of you know the in the framework of the the Catholic Church. It's, I I really wanted to tell them you know this it's not even anything close to what real Christianity is. And but uh you know, and it's funny because there's nothing like uh nothing like a family gathering to start a good fight. You know. And it doesn't really happen at my family gatherings because everyone is really super superficial and uh and nobody deals with anything real ever. And uh so I usually just kind of play along, and you know I just I kind of keep most of my thoughts to myself and smile along with them, talk about stuff that nobody gives a darn about, you know, and uh, you know, and it's and it's sad because you know it's interesting because um, you know my my family asked me last year it's like hey. You know, when when Grandma passes away, would you do her funeral? I said, sure, sure, I'd, be, I'd do that. And so, then it came down to doing it, and everybody just was so happy. You know, everybody was just like, you know, putting me up on their shoulders and carrying me out out of the cemetery. You know, everybody was thrilled. I show up Saturday for our family lunch, and everybody's still patting me on the back, and they're so happy. And they're like, oh, that was so nice. Grandma would have loved that, and everything. And, you know, and it was great. It was precious, you know. Um, and uh, after a while, um, well, after my my uncle Ron left, um, somehow the talk turned to this weird, like stuff like you would expect to hear around a campfire, like at a Boy Scout meeting or something. You know, it's like I'm I'm waiting for them to pull out the story about the the hook on the on the car door. You know. And I mean, seriously, like uh, I don't know. They were talking about like trying to find like long distant relatives' gravestones, and how my uncle Ron can, he can hear these voices when he walks around in the cemetery, and 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 he could find them. And I was just, <laughs> I was thinking, okay. I'm not sure if I should say anything about this or not, you know. And it just kind of kept going on like that, you know. And and, uh, and so you know, it kind of turns to this whole thing of ghosts, you know. And it's like, I mean, somebody was like, "Oh, I believe in ghosts." I'm like, "I don't." <laughs> and it was like, here comes the the needle off the record. I said, there ain't no ghost but the Holy Ghost. And, and uh, well, and actually, because, actually, before we got there, they were talking about somebody. They lived in this house, and, you know, they had a wood-burning 
fireplace or whatever, and they'd wake up in the morning and it had already been it had been cleaned. Somebody had cleaned it in the morning, and I was like, you know what? At my house, you can leave a big pile of laundry in the living room, and when you get up in the morning, it'll be folded. You can leave the kitchen in a big old mess. When you get up in the morning, it's all nice and clean. They're all kind of looking at me, and Cindy's like, that's because I stay up at night and do it. <laughs> you know, I was like trying to point out, it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, my house is, you know, haunted by these little do-gooder gnomes, you know. It's like, give me a break. Like, you have got to be kidding me. But it's funny, I realized the assumptions that you make, um, especially when you deal with people when you never talk about anything real. You know, because I kind of assumed that being the only person there that goes to church and the only person there that, you know, the person that they saw as, you know, somebody that they would want to officiate a funeral, I kind of assumed they would consider me like the, the expert in all things spiritual. And uh, not so much. You know? Well, and, and honestly, it's funny because uh, my Aunt Anne was really, you know, you know, she was talking about all this stuff, but she actually wanted to hear what I had to say. I think she, she really wanted to listen to me. My, one of my other uncles, he just got up and left the room. He, he wasn't interested in, in an argument. And uh, my mom and dad just sat there quietly looking at the floor. <laughs> and my, my, my grandma's sister, uh, my Uncle Ron's mother, uh, who used to be a Sunday school teacher a long time ago, so I would expect her to know better. Um, she was the one who jumped in and was like, she's like, well, what do you mean? Like, and uh, I was like, well, it's, and, and I realized, okay, I'm, I need to kind of back up and clarify what I mean by that. Because she's like, well, I'm not, I don't, you know, she's like, I'm talking about spirits. I'm like, yes, yes, I get that. And, and uh, what I was trying to tell her is like, I'm not saying there's not spirits. There are. But what I'm trying to explain is that they're not the people in the cemetery. They're not the people that... You know, it's not, you know, Casper the Friendly Ghost ain't going to come back and talk to you and, and, and clean your house for you. It doesn't work that way. And she's like, well, the Bible doesn't say it doesn't. You know, and, and she, I mean, as much as I could get out because she kept cutting me off and not really letting me talk. And uh, so, you know, uh, so Cynthia and I both brought up the, uh, the story that Jesus told about uh, Lazarus and the beggar or and the, and the, the, man, the rich man. And because he said, well, he he wanted to go back and talk to his family, and and uh, and so that they didn't end up where he ended up, and uh, you know, the, and that story he doesn't flat out say you can't, but he said, well, they already have the law and the prophets. If they're not going to hear that, they're not going to hear somebody come back from the dead. So and then <laughs> she even said, well, what about Jesus? He came back from the dead. I was like, well, that was different, you know. And I would have liked to have said more, but she wouldn't let me, because uh, I was thinking, well, he. In, if, when you read it in Luke, he said uh, he's like, touch me and feel me, like a spirit doesn't have have flesh, like you see me have. So it's like it's not the same thing. But you know, she wasn't about to listen to that. So finally, they, you know, they kind of started uh, trying to put out the fire with the whole uh, not arguing about religion and politics, and. and uh, like okay, 
You know, well, because well, well, actually, I think the thing that really made my aunt Anne's ready to or want to hear what I had to say was she's like, well, it all depends on what you believe. And I was like, no, it doesn't, because there's one thing that's true and everything else isn't. You know, and I think she really wanted to hear what I had to say about that, but but uh, my great aunt was not about to listen to that. So, so it's interesting though, because I mean, I didn't want to just. I didn't want to make it worse by just getting up and leaving right then. Although it was, I was totally ready, and it, it, we'd been there long enough anyway. But um, you know, kind of waited around for a while until it sort of, you know, until the tension kind of eased a bit. You know, because you could have heard a pin drop for a while there. But uh, you know, and I wanted to say more because I, I felt like maybe I could now because everybody stopped talking. <laughs> but it's like, well. They're all telling me that let's not fight about religion and politics and stuff. So I was like, okay, fine. But as I was driving away, I thought, huh, I would have. I don't think to them that the idea of spooky ghosts and things like that is even anything related to the Bible, or that that it would have anything, any kind of bearing on it, or anything. And I thought, wow, I really would have thought that they would have, you know, really placed some stock in what I had to say. Um, but it was interesting too because um, you know Cynthia. Cynthia does, has no uh, um, no shyness, no filters, <laughs> and um, out of everyone at our family gatherings, you know she talks more about real things than anybody. And uh, uh, you know, and so when we were leaving, uh, my aunt hugged her and was like, you know, it's like, hey, I hope I didn't offend you guys, um, and. Uh, and she's like, well, no, but you know, we've been through a lot of stuff, and we have a lot of wisdom about this stuff that we'd like to, to be able to share. And you know, and, and she agreed, but you know, of course, we were leaving. And, and like I said, I think she did want to hear it, but but it was interesting how Thursday everybody was all just so pleased, you know. And, and really, I think it really was just mostly my great aunt because I was picking on her baby. But uh, it was interesting how talking about truth all of a sudden was like, uh, no. And then all the walls go up. You know, over something so silly, too. It's like, who who believes in ghosts? Are you kidding me? You know? Like, you guys are all like in your 50s and 60s. You should know better. You know? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I mean, I grew up watching like unsolved mysteries and and all those like creepy paranormal shows because my family loves that stuff. So I suppose if you play around with it, you're going to be inclined to, you know. And and so, but the thing that I wanted to tell her is like, look, I'm not saying that stuff doesn't happen. I'm not saying that stuff's not real because it is. That's not what I'm trying to say here. But she wouldn't let me get past that, you know. Like what I'm saying is that it's not it's not, you know, great grandpa, you know, McGillicuddy come back to you know, to have a conversation with you. So cuz I was like, well, look, you know, cuz when she was grilling me, she's like, well, "What is that supposed to mean? What do you mean by that?" I was like, "Well, for instance, Ron wandering through the graveyard hearing voices, that's not good." And she <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And She's like, "Well, why not?" And that, uh, and I was like, because that's like, was like that, that's somewhat akin to a mental illness, you know. And I was like, you know, the, the she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, look, the people that 
most of the people that are in mental hospitals, that's why. They, they, I was like, it's not because they're off their, their rocker, it's because they are affected by, uh, by these spirits that you're talking about. You know, and, um, so, yeah, I, I, I did manage to get that out, sort of, but, yeah, I think she was already kind of, uh, I think she'd already was going, blah, 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 so she could say the next thing. So, you know, but it, it's funny how, you know, but it's it's a really good cautionary tale for all of us because we all have things that we don't want people touching. You know, we all have that little little precious thing that's like you know nobody nobody mess with precious. You know, and and the great thing is 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 when when we when we accept God as as true and his word is true and that that is the thing that we base everything else on whether or not it's whether or not we hold on to it or not is whether or not it's true by the word of god then it really kind of eliminates that issue so i i read a thing last year that said you know the problem with christians is that uh they they look at the bible as the final authority for all things it's like ta-da you know <laughs> Like it's like that would be you know, that would be one of the dictionary definitions of a Christian. So anyway, um, so yeah, I uh, came home rather revved up. I'm like digging through my Bible looking for stuff. <laughs> so yep. well, and because uh, yeah, I would have liked to. Have Maybe told my great aunt, like, well, you know, the Bible says that, you know, those that, uh, you know, wizards and necromancers and those that deal with familiar spirits, you should kill them. So, yeah, I was going to say, so, you know, because she's like, well, the Bible doesn't say it doesn't happen. Okay, whatever. So, so then, so Jesus comes in and cleans the temple, right? Everybody was so happy he was there. I mean, maybe not the Pharisees. I suppose not. And the blind, and I'm in 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David. And they were sore displeased. And and they said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith to them, Yea, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? So they're all unhappy with him now because he he's stepping on their toes. He's been stepping on their toes for the last three years. Uh, go with me over to Matthew 26. And so, over the course of this, I mean, as, as you're flipping over there, you can see that just about everything in the intervening chapters is all in red. So Jesus has got all this teaching you know and I, I love how Ron talks about going to Africa and to to teach and and they said well you know are people really just like miracles and they like to dance you know it's like as if as if approaching God were like going to a fast food restaurant and you could order off a menu you know it's like well you know it's like uh it's like, you know, you pull up at the drive-thru. It's like, I'll have, you know, miracles and a, and a, a side of music, please. It's like, no. <laughs> you know? I mean, it, I mean it, and it really is. I mean, that, 
you know, uh, that's silly. You know, religiousness really does shrink God down to that place. You know, it's like that whole prayer of Jabez thing where it's like, you can manipulate God. It's like, you too can learn to manipulate Him if you only learn how to say these things just right and, you know, uh, and trap Him in His own game. He's not a genie in a bottle. You know, and you can't outsmart Him. Um, you know, he's, you know, we're talking about the, the God of the universe. And so, um, so he has all these teachings and all these things that he talks about. And then in 26, in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. And then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the place or the palace of the high priest, which was called Caiaphas. And they consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. So they decided they had had enough. Because the 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 truth was that um, difficult for them, that 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 against the things that, that they held so dearly to, and um, I think we've all had those instances in our life where somebody came to talk to us about something that that we believed or thought or did that we you know were just sure was was the right thing, and then having the 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 word of God shine the light on it and and show that it's not is a difficult thing to have happen to you. Um, I remember the first time I had a conversation with somebody about that. Um, uh, well, I was, I was talking with somebody about just, you know, setting your Bible on your lap and saying, okay, God, I need you to tell me something and I need it now. Flop and see what it says. I was like, you know, it's like playing Russian roulette. It's like, you don't know... You know, you don't know what it's going to tell you, you know. And of course, you've all heard the the story that David Terrell told about it. Uh, go and hang yourself, and all that, you know. And so, you know, it's. I'm not saying that God could not ever use that to talk to you. And and I've had times where I was just, I just, I'm like, okay, I'm going to read now, and maybe I'm on my way over somewhere, and something caught my eye, and all of a sudden I knew God was talking to me. But. Uh, I didn't put him on the spot and and uh, just kind of stick my finger in there. You know, but it was funny because when I talked to this person about it, it was something that they had grown up with and it was something they'd done their entire life, and and they based lots of decision making off of it. And and when I, you know, and and really it was just the spirit of God because you really have to have that power of God to get past that that sense of holding on to this thing, you know, because uh, because truth uh, is, you know, it's not something you just intellectually assent to. You have to surrender to it. And, uh, um, you know, it, once, it be, once it became clear, it's like, oh, yeah, so, so God could talk to you in the Word because you put it in you. And, and then and you can read along in it and He talks to you. Uh, it was it was a it was a really precious thing because then on the other side of that that surrender then came that peace. So, um, and I've had it happen to me. I've I've you know thought that uh, you know that I could you know 
act or talk a certain way and had somebody confront me about it and I didn't like it. But but I recognized that it was the voice of God. You know, and that and that's what truth does. And uh so it was a precious thing. So um you know, it's 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 a blessing that God doesn't just leave you to your own devices. You know, and uh you know, I mean you could I suppose you could uh dig through your life frantically looking for for something out of order or or out of line with with the word of God. Uh I don't think that's very profitable. You know, I think that well I know in fact that that God will make plain to you the things that that he would that he would like to have changed in your life because if he brings it up that's because he's going to fix it. And and that's the greatest thing about when God brings something to your attention that's that's not in line with his word. Um you know, I mean, I've I've been in uh, in situations before where you just your skin crawled with the sense of something is not right here. And when when God started laying it all out here, you know, by that point it's like I didn't care if I was right or wrong or whatever. It's like I just want to know what's the right answer here because I'm going to come down on the right side of this thing. <laughs> and um, and it's precious how God does that and, and how that truth keeps us in, in that, that narrow way uh, because, you know, people see truth as so relative. You know, like, like my aunt saying, well, it just depends on what you believe. Like, no, it doesn't. So, um, um, so it's, it's precious, though, because God makes this, this, this narrow way, this, this straight gate, uh, and yet he, he goes out of his way to, to make sure that you get into that narrow way, that you go through that straight gate, but it does require uh, bowing your knee to truth. So, Jesus, we just thank You for Your Word to us. We praise You for Your goodness and love and mercy. God, we're grateful. God, for uh, uh, everything that You have done for us. God, placing truth in us. God, not just as a... Um, uh, as a, a set of teachings to to argue with people about Lord God, but as a um, as the the very substance of your word and your spirit in our life, and God, we just pray that today you would do in this place as only you can, that your presence would accomplish in us what only you can. And in your precious holy name, we pray. Amen. Amen.